0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: I was recently asked a question, a very interesting question, about how can a person have a relationship with God? That was the question that this person asked me. It was a question of how could they have a relationship with God. They could tell that I have a relationship with the living God, and they were curious to know what they could do or how they could experience a relationship with God themselves. It's a very important question and a very sincere question that people can ask. But if I was to respond And if I was to answer this question by saying, no problem, you know, something like this, if I was to say, no problem, all you have to do is follow these five or seven steps. I could come up with a list of things that people can do. And if you do these things, then eventually just keep doing these things. And eventually you will have a relationship with God. If I was to respond that way, if if that would be my answer to that kind of a question, I would expect you to think that that's not a very good idea. That simply is not likely going to be real. We should know that. We should understand that, that you don't develop a relationship with somebody by simply following a set of steps or going through a certain ritual of some kind. That's not what a relationship is. Relationships don't begin or evolve through experiences like that. And so there's no way that I will be able to give an explanation, really, of how a person can have a relationship with their God. I can testify of the kind of relationship that I do have, a relationship that has evolved over many decades. I could speak about that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that someone else is going to experience the same kind of growth and change. It doesn't mean they're going to experience the same kind of evolved relationship that I have. And that should be quite obvious when you think about God as a person. What if I was to say that God is a philosophy? If I was to say that you can have A relationship with God, if you follow a set of steps, then you could say, well, that definitely doesn't sound right. But if I said that God is a philosophy, or God is really a theology, then you probably would think something similar. I would expect, I would hope that you would think something similar. That to think of God as a philosophy, or as a theology, that again takes away from the idea of having an interactive experience with someone, you don't really have a relationship with a philosophy any more than you would have much of a relationship with a toaster. You're not going to have a relationship with a theology any more than you would have a relationship with with a good fictional novel. I mean, you're just simply not going to be able to experience a relationship with a living God when you think in these terms, when you approach him In these terms, as if he's a set of steps to follow, or he's a way of life to live, or he's a philosophy of some kind, or he's a theology that you study, that's not what it means to have a relationship with God. The most important thing to think about is that God is a person. And so if you are going to have a relationship with a person, there's no way that you can approach him from the point of view of a set of procedures or steps to follow. You cannot approach him as a philosophy. You know, the Greeks did that. They they approached God as a philosophy. What a bunch of guys did was they got together and they had conversations about, well, if there is a God, then what would we expect him to be like? And there were all kinds of conversations and discussions and thoughtful debates, but that does not give an opportunity to have a relationship with him as a person. That just means that people were getting together and they were pondering, they were thinking about the things of a God, of their expectations of who this God would be. And you know, a lot of the things that they came up with, the Greeks, the pagan Greeks, simply contradict the idea of God being a person which is what you could expect. The same thing can happen when you study theology, the study of God. When you study theology, it's, it's easy, it's very easy to discuss things, to conclude things, to examine things from our own perspective of what we think God should be like. And our conclusions will lead us into a direction such that there is no way for us to really consider him as a person, as a genuine person. And so when we fail to do that, which is what has been happening for thousands of years, for the most part, people approach him not as a person to have a relationship with, but as, as an idea or as a philosophy or as a study of some kind. When a person does this, they take away the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And so when you ask the question, how do you have a relationship with God? Well, one of the things you'll have to deal with is you're going to have to deal with a lot of these ideas and philosophies and beliefs that people have that take away from the opportunity to genuinely know him as a person. And so to deal with a question like this or to produce a presentation like I'm doing right now on this subject A lot of the content will have to be explaining things that will take away a lot of the barriers that keep people from having a relationship with their God. So I can certainly testify of the relationship that I have with him. We can look at the historical record in the scriptures and we can see examples where he has had relationships with others. And through those examples... We can learn a lot about our God as a person, and we can learn a lot about the kinds of relationships he probably has an interest in. We can do that. But for you to have a personal interactive relationship with your God, this will have to be something that you experience on your own between you and him. But for now, I can certainly proceed and talk about a lot of the obstacles, and I can talk about a lot of the truths that I know, that I feel very confident about, that I believe a person really should know if they are going to seriously think about this kind of question. So to begin with, if, if we think about God as a person, if we recognize that we have a God who is a person then we can start with that and and consider, well, what does it mean to be a person? What does that mean? I think that we could divide this up into three categories. We can talk about a person in terms of their mind, of their emotions, and also of their will. Let me start out with the idea of the mind of God. When we consider God as a person and that he has his own mind, then one thing we need to recognize is that he really does think about things. He has some thoughts. He has some ideas. He genuinely has opinions about probably any subject that is brought before him or that he thinks of. We have a God who definitely has a mind. And if he says things, if he speaks, if he, if he conveys things to someone else, it is going to be at least a partial reflection of what's on his mind. That I think we can have a lot of confidence in. And so if you want to have a relationship with this person who thinks, who has opinions, who will even speak his mind on occasion, probably won't tell you everything that he really wants to say, but he will probably tell you a lot of what he has to say. And if we want to have a relationship with this person, I think you might want to consider that what God thinks is important. What his opinion is on various subjects, that probably has importance, You know, it's not unusual to have relationships with people, and these people who you have relationships with, they really don't have much of an interest in what you think, and they probably have even less of an interest in what your opinions are. By me saying that, you can probably just start to think about a few people who you know, who you do have a relationship with, and and that these people relate to you in that way. And so if God is a person, you are a person, if God is a person and he has thoughts and he has opinions and he has things that are important to him, how do you suppose he would feel if people would like to have a relationship with him but totally disregard or have very little interest in what he thinks, in what is important to him? This is something that I think we should keep in mind, that if you want to have a relationship with the living God, you ought to have some regard, some consideration for what he thinks. You really should. And I do believe that you could expect him to have some regard for what you think also and for what your opinions are also. I think it's highly unlikely that he will be even remotely impressed by anything you think or by anything that you think is important in terms of your opinion on something. But that doesn't mean that he can't have a relationship with you. It doesn't mean that he has to be impressed with you just to discover where you are right now in terms of how you think and what you value and what your opinions are. And he could probably give you lots of explanations as to why they are invalid or partially valid. But, you know, we are people who grow and change over time. And we have a God who I know acknowledges that. And so whatever you think and whatever your opinions are right now, chances are they're probably going to be different years from now. And I am sure that he can have a lot of patience with you. When it comes to things like that, but for us to relate to him in that way is not likely going to be useful. We have a God who definitely has some serious opinions and he has some beliefs and he has some ideas and what he thinks is important and has greater importance than what we think. But it doesn't mean that we can't share and communicate with our God. In fact, to have a relationship with anyone, there must be an opportunity for mutual communication along those lines. We have a God who has emotions. This is described all over the scriptures. You see a lot of opportunities for God to be angry. He speaks of himself as being a jealous God. There are times when he expresses joy. He certainly describes himself as a loving God and a kind God. These are these are terms that describe and express emotions. Now, according to a lot of people, according to people who believe or have a preference for the beliefs of Greek philosophy and a lot of different theologies, the idea that God has emotions is simply unacceptable. There are a lot of people who don't like the idea that God can have emotions, that he has the capacity for deep emotional connection with other people. For for a lot of folks, that's considered to be unacceptable. And one of the main reasons why is because they don't want God to be affected by other people's behavior. We, we don't want God to be influenced by what it is that we do or what we don't do because our behavior might upset him. And if we have the ability to upset God, you know, make him angry, if we have the ability to do that, then in a way we have a form of control and power over God. That's what we have. And according to a number of theologies and philosophies, this is unacceptable because it reduces the sovereignty of God, the power of God. These are beliefs that people have that God cannot really have any deep emotions that can be affected by us as people, that this is considered to be unacceptable. But how do you have? A relationship with a person who has no emotions, no emotions at all. You can have a relationship to a certain extent, but I'm going to use the word limited. This would definitely be a highly limited relationship if it would even be described as a relationship at all. And so these beliefs, while they might be quite sincere and a lot of thought may be put into these beliefs about our God, about him as a person, these beliefs can become obstacles. They can become barriers to having something real, to having a relationship with a person in a real way, in an honest way, in a way that reflects people really thinking about and responding to you and you thinking about and responding to someone else, in this case, our God, in order to have a genuine relational experience, there has to be some degree of emotion between the two. Some kind of emotional connection really needs to exist for there to be a genuine relationship of quality. We have a God who has a will. As a person, he has a will, and the will is a word that that means that he has the ability to make choices and decisions for himself about what he is going to do or what he's not going to do, what he's going to participate or not participate in. We have a God who initiates with people. He will initiate conversation. He will initiate activity. He will initiate a relationship with other people. We have a God who also responds from other people's initiation with him. It doesn't mean he always will. And it certainly doesn't mean that he will always initiate. But he is a God who initiates and responds with other people. And this is necessary in order to have a relational experience If he's going to be a participant in our lives, then he has to do so by choice, by decision, by intentional activity. So also, if you are going to be a participant in his life, then this needs to be done on the basis of choice, of decision, of conviction. It's something that needs to be an expression of your free will. If it's not your own, and if it's not something personally generated within your own self, within your own desire, then he is not having a relationship with a person, and you are not having a relationship with a person. So this is a way to understand anybody, but this is a way to understand our God as well, that he is a person who has a mind, he has emotions, and he has a will and so when we deal with the question of how can we have a relationship with him, we have to recognize that he as a person, if you are going to have a relationship with him, it has to be a mutual experience. You cannot have a relationship with this person through following a set of procedures. You cannot have a relationship with this person by aggressively studying them from a theological or philosophical point of view, or a combination of both, that simply is not going to happen. It has to happen in another way through the mutual decision of both persons, through mutual agreement, through mutual activity. And there is no obligation on anyone's part to respond to someone else. There is no obligation whatsoever. You know, when it comes to relationships that we have with other people, th- there are sometimes when we have relationships with people that, that we're kind of forced into. We could call this forced relationships. Family relationships are quite often described as, as a forced kind of relationship that you just seem to be kind of forced into it. For example, you may be in a family where you have a number of siblings, you have brothers and sisters, you have cousins, and because they are in the same house as you are, just by default, you end up having a relationship with them. And it's not necessarily your choice or your decision. It's just something that you have only because of the presence of one another, because you are both present. When it comes to our God, we certainly can understand him in the context of presence by saying that our God is present everywhere. But you probably have noticed that just because he is present or you are present within his universe, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be much of a relationship at all just because of presence. But within a person's family, for example, you can have relationships with people just because... You're, you're born into it. Uh, or you could be married into it. It could be in-laws or what we might call outlaws, in-laws and outlaws when it comes to, to family relationships through marriages. This is something that happens. And some people enjoy having the relationship with others. And some people don't enjoy having relationships with some of the outlaws or in-laws that they find themselves having encounters with. It's just simply not necessarily going to happen. Sometimes this happens in work also. In work relationships, you may voluntarily accept to have a position, to have a job, and because you have the ability to walk away from that job and just simply quit, uh, that, that could be described as a voluntary relationship. But when it comes to the coworkers, the people who you work with, you may not necessarily have anything to do with the decisions regarding who else is going to work with you. And so you might find yourself working on a team or working with a team of people such that this is a forced relationship that is just simply the consequence of you voluntarily having a relationship with the boss, with the person who hired you or the owner of the business. It's a consequence of that such that you will have forced relationships. You will be in relationships with other people just because that's part of the job. That's just part of it. And whether you like these people or not, whether you have any regard for their opinions or not, regardless of any of that, you have a relationship. And there are going to be some tasks that you're going to be expected to perform with these people You're going to have to work as a team in order for the business to be successful. So these are some different ways to understand relationships. You could think of them as a forced relationship or a voluntary relationship. Marriage can be considered to be a voluntary relationship where people People agree that they're going to be married to each other. Some work relationships, usually self-employed relationships or corporate contracts. When a contract is developed between two persons or two businesses, then that's normally considered to be a voluntary relationship as well. But when it comes to your God, there's not going to be a forced relationship. He's not going to force himself on you, and you are not going to be able to force yourself on him. You're not going to be able to impose yourself upon God and say, God, you and me, we are going to have a relationship. Yes, we are. You know, he probably will not respond very well to that, not in the way that you probably would want him to. But this is a place to start, at least. When it comes to the quality of relationships, though, I would like to emphasize the issue that your regard for another person's mind for their emotions, and for their will will make a big difference with regards to what kind of a relationship and the quality of the relationship that you have with this other person. If you have no regard for the mind and the emotions and the will of another person, then that's going to make the relationship quite awkward. And the same thing would go for you if this person with whom you are going to have a relationship with, has no regard for your mind, emotions, or will either, then that is going to make it very difficult for there to be a high-quality relationship between the two of you. So this is a place to start. I do have a, a number of things that I can share about this subject to help you understand what it means to have a relationship with God or other people, for that matter. And I can address a number of the obstacles That people face, and I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the first program in the series on having a relationship with God. And in this program, I emphasized the importance of recognizing God as a person. He's not a philosophy, he's not a theology or an idea, but he genuinely is a person. I also emphasize the point that he has a mind, he has emotions, and he has a will. And for us to have a relationship with him, a quality relationship with him, we need to have a high regard for what he thinks, for how he feels, and for the decisions that he decides to make. This is certainly no guarantee that he will want to have the kind of relationship with you that you would like. But it is a beginning as you pursue a relationship with Him.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. I'm